Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard of PewterReport.com, as you know, and hopefully love still, even though I was not on yesterday's podcast, where Cam Brate told us about his most famous catch of all time with the Lombardi Trophy. Lots of other fun stuff. I know some of you have asked if I was intentionally suspended for that podcast because I've talked about the Bucks potentially cutting Cambrate. I'll say no comment for that, and we'll talk about it at a later time. I am very thrilled to announce today's guest on this special night edition of the Peter Report podcast, where we normally go live at 4 p.m. Eastern. We are live at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight with the one and only Dane Brugler of The Athletic, who is somehow joining us after having just finished the largest and most extensive draft guide in human history. Dane, how are you holding up and how are you able to join us for this show tonight? Well, don't worry. I've got a six pack of Shiner waiting for me in the fridge <laughs> after this. Uh, no, it's, it's funny. Don't, the only thing longer than the draft guide is the honeydew list I've got waiting for me for my wife uh, when this is all done, as, as I return to civilization. Uh, and I, that, that's half joking, uh, but no, it, it felt good to release the, the guide into the, into the world today. Uh, the feedback's been awesome. It's been really cool to hear, uh, everyone that appreciates all the work and that enjoys it, uh, you know, genuinely, uh, all the information that's in there. You know, I, I do this guide, you know, cause at, at my heart, I'm a big draft fan. And so I do this guide for, as something I would want to read, you know, what is something that I would pay money for that I would want to dive into and. So that's how that's how I designed this. Uh, you know, they the, the athletic did a nice job, uh, you know, kind of gussing it up with some some pictures and graphics, made it look a little a little more pretty. Yeah, I just focused on uh, the meat and potatoes, everything. That's you know the background, the analysis, the try to come up with uh, you know comparisons for these guys, all that. So hopefully people check it out. It's free as part of your subscription to the athletic. Uh, you know, I think it's well worth it. Nice. I know. I love it. If, if you haven't checked it out, if you don't know what Dane's talking about, I see people in the comments already saying the beast is awesome. It's the best. And if you don't know, go over to the athletic.com, get a subscription. I tell you this on the show all the time. You do not get content in the football media space like you can get from the athletic. You just don't. You have, I mean, I'm telling you, if you're a big football fan, draft fan, whatever, you got to subscribe to the athletic, subscribe to what they're doing. Uh, obviously, most of you know Greg Almond covering the Bucks. He does great work over there. But Dane's draft stuff is second to none, man. It's terrific stuff. So go over to The Athletic, download this draft guide. You want to have this thing next to you. That's called the Beast for a reason. You want to have it next to you during the draft. So when it gets into the seventh round and it gets an undrafted free agents, I used to have time to watch all those because the guys when I didn't cover a team. Now I don't have time to watch all those guys. I go to Dane's draft guide every single year and I'm saying, okay, Dane had this guy like, 50. I mean, I'm not kidding you. He ranks like 50 dudes at every, every position or more. It's extensive stuff. It's terrific stuff. You're going to want to make sure you pick it up. So go over to the athletic subscribe, check out Dane's draft guide for sure. Dane is probably going to need, as he mentioned, he's got his six pack waiting for him. He's probably going to need a little pick him up after all of that hard work. I know we're going to sleep in May, but at the same time, we are going to need a little bit of energy to finish out this draft season. So who better to sponsor today's show than our good friends over at Celsius.
Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. You saw the kiwi guava there, the strawberry guava. I'm drinking a little bit of orange sickle, not cream sickle, not the Bucks old uniforms, but a little bit of orange sickle today on the show. No sugar in this energy drink. It is good for you. It improves your metabolism. It tastes amazing. You get the kick that you get from a ener normal energy drink without the letdown. It's really honestly like a cheat code. If we're making a draft board, this thing's going number one overall for me. And I think Orange Sickle's even number one overall for me. Love this flavor. Love Celsius. If you haven't checked them out yet, make sure you go to Celsius.com. Check out the different flavors in the store locator to find out where you can find them near you. Or go to Amazon.com, get yourself the variety pack, and get on the way to experiencing energy drinks in a healthy fashion like you never have before. It's terrific stuff. Dane, we got a lot of quarterback talk to get to today. I'm excited to have you on the show because I listened to you and Lance Zierlein on your Prospect to Pros podcast that you do that's terrific, by the way. Everyone should check it out. And I thought, man, there's a lot of – it was interesting because the conversation obviously was around San Francisco at number three. Everyone assuming Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. Jets, number two, are going to take Zach Wilson. So the conversation in the draft really starting at San Francisco at three, but – the way you all have talked about it, the way Adam Schefter's talked about it, Peter King's talked about it, it's almost a consensus now. And you still feel like Mac Jones is is kind of getting locked in there to San Francisco at number three. It's bizarre because, uh, you know, when the trade went down, the initial thought in my mind was, oh, this is perfect for trade lines. I thought that would be the ideal fit. Um, and it's tough because with, uh, with Kyle Shanahan, we're trying to guess, okay, what type of quarterback is he going to go for here? Because, yeah, I think you look towards Mac Jones, and he closely resembles the Matt Ryans, the Kirk Cousins. But we've also heard uh, Shanahan talk about how important uh, mobility is in today's game and having that athlete at quarterback. The more you can do, uh, you know, the Josh Allens of, of the NFL right now. So, uh, you know, that would point more towards a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. And so – we're all kind of guessing at this point, but I will say that everything I've heard from people around the league is Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. And it makes sense uh, from a, from our perspective, from the outside looking in uh, when we're just trying to guess where they're leaning because Kyle Shanahan does not go to pro days. Okay. The fact that he went to Mac Jones pro day, yeah. and that, that says a lot. And it's not, he wasn't there to see Najee Harris. He wasn't there to right. see Devonte Smith. He was there to see Mac Jones. And, that says a lot, but it's also worth pointing out that next week he's going to be in Columbus to see Justin Fields. So that all of a sudden, you know, that gets worked into the mix. Uh, what does that say? I, I, I don't know. I mean, is, is Justin Fields just as much of a candidate there as, as, as Mac Jones is? Mm -hmm. it's, it's really tough to say, but I will say this. We cannot rule out Mac Jones at number three as a very strong possibility. There's a lot of smart people around the NFL who believe that's that's who it's going to be, um, and it's not. I, I and you know I've been doing this long enough where anything you hear in April, you know, kind of let it go in one ear and out the other because that's just right. there's so much misinformation. There's just way too much buzz about Mac Jones at three from people, you know, guys with teams, uh, people around the league, for it for there to at least not be some smoke there. So it's it's just a really interesting dynamic with San Francisco mm. at three. Yeah, it's fascinating to me for a couple reasons. One, obviously, I think you know people say when you trade up to three, you would probably go in for one of the quarterbacks who most people believe, most draft analysts at least believe, you and I would believe 
are better and have higher ceilings than Mac Jones does. And it isn't even to knock on Mac Jones. I mean, I like Mac Jones as a player. I think he's good. I think, you know, based on looking at your board, you have him with a first, first slash second round grade kind of in that range as your QB five. So, I mean, it's easy to like Mac Jones. I think it's just hard to imagine trading up to number three for a guy like that. And one of the things that totally threw me, and I wonder if you could shed some light on this is when the trade happened, I remember some people like, I think you and maybe Lance both tweeted, Something along the lines of Trey Lance makes sense, or something. Dan, Lance at least did uh, said said something about Trey Lance and, and being a fit, and I, a couple other people expressed a similar sentiment. Or uh, there were a lot of people talk, talking about Justin Fields, and it felt like within 15 minutes of the trade, there was like this influx of no, I don't think they're taking from the league. That then media were then saying, oh man, maybe it isn't who we thought it was. You know, already like it was that quick. My question to you is. Why do you think that there was so much certainty like that? Do you think that that stemmed from actual knowledge of what the 49ers like? Or do you think it was just people saying Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, uh, whoever else he's worked in the past, you know, CJ Beathard, who he drafted and said he liked a lot, you know, forever. Like right. Matt Jones looks like these guys plays like, you know, do you think it's just people making parallels like that? Or do you think there's some actual knowledge, even that quickly, that was picked up about what the 49ers intentions really were? I think there was some actual knowledge because this this trade was in the works for a while. So, okay. you know, even though we didn't know about it on the outside, uh, there were plenty of people behind the scenes uh, with teams that knew this was – there was a good chance it was going to happen. Um, and let, let's just play devil's advocate for a moment on Mac Jones. I mean, if you're going to list the most important qualities at, that you're looking for at the quarterback position, what are one and two? The accuracy, mental processing, decision-making, you know, whatever order you want. Those are the two most important things that you want a quarterback. You could make the argument that Mac Jones is the top of this quarterback class in both those areas. Mm-hmm. So you just have to decide, okay, is the rest good enough? Uh, you know, is he mobile enough? Is his arm strength good enough? And if the answer is yes, then I can understand why you would talk yourself into Mac Jones. Now, watching him on tape, it gets really difficult when you talk about a situation. Uh, the elite offensive line, uh, the uh, run game with Najee Harris, the receivers, ridiculous. Uh, but then you also factor in Sark and the play calling, how much of a, a impact that had on Mac Jones and his success this past year. So it, it, Mac Jones is an easy player to like, like you said, but yeah, to trade up to number three, it's just it's really really fascinating. And I, the other dynamic with this too is Carolina. Uh, is, they're trading for Sam Darnold. Is yes. that a re- reaction move to right. you know because they they coached Mac Jones down in uh, Mobile. We thought okay maybe Mac Jones at number eight. That's a possibility. Uh, you know Tepper, the owner, being down there in Mobile, having a chance to be around Mac Jones. That makes some sense. All of a sudden, San Francisco moves up to three, and then Carolina then makes that trade for Sam Darnold. Is that a reaction move because they knew that, okay, they're not getting Mac Jones now? Uh, So there's so many ways to read into this, and uh, I do think there's some knowledge behind the scenes of at least teams guessing, you know, making these educated guesses that that's where San Francisco is leaning, at least at this point. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's a good point about the trade being in works for a while, and people may be knew what was going on there. It'll be interesting to find out. I mean, how, you know, how many, you know, the four hours of leaks is one way to say it, but also if they just talk, you know, they've been open about like what they, they like in the quarterback class and things like that and how much knowledge is there of that out there in the public realm. Uh, it seems 
amazing to me that the consensus seemed to be reached so quickly with very little pushback from inside the league. And it'll be even more fascinating to see, obviously, what happens. And we'll probably even get stronger indications as we get closer to the draft. But it really does feel that way, that Mac Jones is going to be off the board at number three to San Francisco. And if that's the case, Dane, before we even get to the later quarterbacks and some of the options that could be there for the Bucs, I have to ask about Justin Fields because it's not just the 49ers. It's also, first of all, it's the Jets. They're saying we prefer Zach Wilson. I, you prefer Zach Wilson as well. You have him ranked second in your quarterback board. I'll let you talk about that too. But I still prefer Fields, but I also really like Zach Wilson. So I can get that one. I, I see what Zach Wilson does that te- would excite teams, obviously. And I, and I, I totally understand it. I think he's very good. Like I've said and written and tweeted about, it would not surprise me at all if Zach Wilson in this class overall when it's all said and done. Not that I don't think Trey, Trey, Trevor Lawrence is number one, but I just I think it's close enough that I could see any realm of outcomes, especially with that position, then how much landing spot matters. But now you've got the Jets, and now going Zach Wilson. Now you've got the 49ers going another direction. You've got the Panthers saying, we don't really care if Justin Fields is there. We'd rather trade for Sam Darnold than wait to see what happens with Justin Fields. I feel like I'm going a little bit crazy, Dane, because I I even when I like Josh Rosen, I understand why the league didn't. And obviously the league was right about that. I love Deshaun Watson as a player, obviously, and I, I I understood with his release being a little bit unorthodox that why the league might not have been as keen on him as I was. Obviously, I ended up right about that one on the field. I've understood in the past when I've disagreed with the way the NFL seems to perceive the quarterback. I've understood why. I've just still stood by my stance. I don't get this one. I know that I'm not saying Fields is perfect. But it seems like the things the NFL really values, the physical tools, the mental acumen, the commitment to the game, the athleticism at the position, the ability, desire to make all the throws, accuracy. I know that there's some issues at times with speeding up his process in the pocket. I completely agree with that. But are you a little bit more dumbfounded with the you know quote-unquote slide, because he's probably still going to go in the top 10, but the quote-unquote slide of Justin Fields and how the NFL has seen him compared to how they typically see a quarterback like that? Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I, I, anybody that has, that views Justin Fields as a top 10 pick, like I I think, I, I mean, I I agree with them, you know, like there are people, you know, on Twitter that if you have Justin Fields as the fourth best quarterback and you know, the eighth best in the the class, they get so upset when you think he's trash, Dave, you think he's that trash? Exactly. exactly. It's no, he's a, if I had a top 10 pick, I would have no problem betting on Justin Fields and his traits. Uh, Because I mean, you look at, you know, a guy like, uh, you know, like Josh Allen, like, you know, so many people trashed him before the draft and this and that. And, but you know what, you're betting on the size, the arm, uh, the mind, and you're, you're betting on those traits. And, you know, with Justin Fields, he was even, you know, way more accurate than Josh Allen ever was uh, in college. He's got a lot of the traits that you want to bet on, the athleticism, the accuracy, the intangibles. Uh, you know, this is a guy that when the college football season looked like he was in the balance, he never wavered. He never opted out. He put together a petition. He was at the head of the line saying, let's play. Uh, and this is a guy that's been in the, in the spotlight for a long, long time, uh, mm-hmm. back into high school. And he hasn't wilted at any point of, of his career, high school, college. So, uh, you know, I, th- the biggest reason for me why Fields, because we're splitting hairs on these guys, because uh, mm-hmm. they're all very, very talented. Yeah. The reason why I have Fields as uh, you know behind Zach Wilson, even behind Trey Lance, is he's just a little more methodical than I want him in my quarterback. And it goes yeah. back to 
you know, Bill Walsh, something Bill Walsh used to always say about, uh, you know, the, what, the, what separated the good from the great quarterbacks was the ability to make that great spontaneous decision. Uh, and that's something that I see with Zach Wilson a little bit. And, I, you know, it, quarterback conversations, obviously very nuanced, and we could go into so much X's and O's and, uh, you know, more specific traits. But if we just try to have a simple conversation about it, that's really what separates these two guys from me is with Zach Wilson, he's very, very accurate, and he makes these spontaneous decisions, even if he will get outside the pocket maybe a little bit too early. And, you know, it, there's just – there's a you know, the off-platform stuff, he's a little too willing to do it. But it, he's still accurate, and he still makes those quick decisions with Justin Fields. It's just more methodical. And to be fair to, to, to Fields, some of it's by design. When you look at that uh, offense, some of it is designed to, hey, wait till this crosser opens and, you, you know, you hit him. I think he can go through his progressions. There's no, there's no doubt. You, I mean, there's plenty of examples on tape of him going through his progressions, but there's also examples of him being locked onto that first read and not being very timely going through those reads. Uh, and, and, but again, some of that's by design. So it, it's, it's a tough thing to figure out. Uh, but what it boils down to is that's the big reason for me why I prefer Zach Wilson over fields. Uh, and I know a lot of people agree with me. Some people don't. What I don't understand is those saying Fields is just an average NFL quarterback uh, or below average even. Uh, now, can he be a, a top 10 quarterback in this league? Yeah, I think he has that type of ability. And with those traits, you bet on that. Um, but, you know, in this class, when you're put up against the Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence and uh, Zach Wilson, it's just it, it's tough for you to get uh, overlooked. Now, it's going to be really interesting with these quarterbacks. Where do they go? What happens at four with Atlanta? Uh, Carolina, I don't think we can necessarily completely rule them out to take a quarterback. Really? Uh, I mean, I, I I would not rule it out. There are some people in the league that think that it's possible. You look at Tepper, you know, he's he's a hedge fund guy. Like, you know, his philosophy, uh, you know, at least we – this is an assumption. But sure. his philosophy being throw assets at, you know, your the most important position and see what happens. You know, trade for Sam Darnold. Also get uh, a Justin Fields. I mean – I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't. I don't think it will. I think they. It's more likely that we see Carolina go offensive tackle there, or probably even trade out. Maybe you know, could the Patriots move up? Uh, there's so many different things that could happen now mm-hmm. with the quarterbacks. It's going to be really fascinating. It is, and and again, I don't want to say, but here's my thought process. And I'm just talking out loud, and and you can react if you want. But Atlanta at four, we already know they're looking. They're thinking about trading back. They've they've been listening mm-hmm. to, to offers trade back. I think Adam Schefter said that this morning. To, to me, if you're sold on a quarterback like that you think is going to be there at four, you're probably not listening. Like you're probably not. So if Atlanta's not gonna, and Cincinnati's not gonna, and the Dolphins aren't gonna, maybe the Lions will. We'll see. Jared Goff, yeah. maybe the Panthers. But like you said, smart money's probably not on it. All of a sudden, Denver <laughs> might be sitting pretty at nine and get one of the players who could we could see being one of the better quarterbacks in the draft. And then New England could be obviously a huge winner from it. Philadelphia could have options that they didn't expect at 12. It could be a lot more interesting than we're thinking, but it all comes back to this for me. I look at this quarterback class. I see one of the best in deepest, not all the way, not through 10, but top to have five quarterbacks that could go in the top 10 and we wouldn't bat an eye. That's pretty rare. I mean, that's very rare. Like, do you feel like I do that? This is, I don't know whether the NFL feels that way, given some of the moves that we've seen with Atlanta trying to move back maybe and and the Eagles getting out of there with the quarterbacks and Panthers t- trading for Darnold. But from my perspective, and I'm curious what you think, is this one of the best quarterback classes we've seen in a long time? 
Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, obviously time will tell how these guys pan out, but we've never seen five quarterbacks go in the top ten. We've never right. seen it before. Um, you know, we had four in 2018. Uh, was that? Eight. Yeah, with Baker and yeah. Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and then uh, Rose, Rosen, Rosen at number 10. 10. So, yeah, we, we, we saw four, but five is very, very rare. And it'll be interesting to see. I think a team to watch at, is Washington sitting there at 19. Mm. Uh, they could be in a position where it's maybe a little more feasible to move up from 19 up to say eight uh, if they wanted to make a move with Carolina. I think that that's certainly uh, possible. New England's the interesting one because we just don't know. You know, with they obviously having Tom Brady for so long, they we just don't know necessarily how aggressive they might be with a quarterback. They saw last year what life was like without that upper echelon quarterback, and yeah. it, you know it was not great. So, do they feel a little more heat to maybe be aggressive, go up, you know, take take that swing, take a quarterback, and it, we just don't know with New England because again, they, they having Tom Brady for so long. So, I, I I can't wait to see how it plays out. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, but it, you know, with it starts at four with Atlanta. I think it's more of a case of the coach wants Matt Ryan and. You know, he wants, you know, we're good. Let's let's put that resource towards Kyle Pitts or let's trade down where the GM's kind of, eh, we have a, we're not going to be up here very often uh, to pick. So let's take a quarterback while we're here, even yeah. if he sits for a year or two. So I think that's a discussion going on in Atlanta right now. Uh, it, it's just, there, there's a lot of different dynamics. And again, San Francisco, they're going to Justin Fields Pro Day uh, next week, his second yep. Pro Day to throw. So I don't, this is, and it's specifically for San Francisco. Uh, you're not allowed to have private workouts this draft process. So technically you have to have a second pro day, uh, which can be attended by anyone. Any NFL team can go to this. So we'll see who else is there. But this is really for San Francisco to, and Kyle Shanahan to see things. Fascinating. Just a totally unique draft process. I don't, I'm don't. Ex- I'm excited for the return to normalcy, hopefully next year in the draft process. Obviously getting to talk to some of these guys and be at more pro days and things like that. But it, there's no question that this – all of this has added elements, fascinating elements to the whole draft process for sure. We talked about the top five guys a lot, but none of these guys are going to be on there on the board for the Bucks when they pick at number thirty-two. So the Bucks have this conundrum in front of them. It's not much of a conundrum, really. Tom Brady's going to play for two more years, and then who knows if he'll play for longer than that? It's anybody's guess at this point, given the fact that Tom Brady is locked in now for two more years, and I'm sure he'll fulfill at least that. If you're the Bucs, and you've obviously done a lot of this with looking at teams and saying, how do you want to build out? How long do you want a quarterback to sit? In today's NFL, it obviously is it's unique for a rookie to end up sitting their whole season, first season like Patrick Mahomes did, like Aaron Rodgers did for a couple seasons. That is abnormal for today's NFL for sure. Do you have a – if you're a team like the Bucs, let's just say it's at 32, but really at any point in the draft, especially early, if you're taking a quarterback in the first couple rounds – that you feel like could be your future franchise guy that you would like to to have in that number two slot, at least by the time the season would start, how would, how do you feel about a team going about the process like that at quarterback when you know you've got your guy still in place for the next two years in Brady? Yeah. And I I think it's, you you could look at it as almost being an ideal situation for your quarterback to be able to sit and learn and, uh, this is this quarterback class uh, is interesting because we have the five at the top that are going to go in the top 10 to 12 picks. And then there's a pretty big drop off. And I think, okay, you have to sit down and decide, okay, are any of these quarterbacks 
after five, do you see them being long-term starters in the NFL? And to me, there's one guy that I think can be a, at least a developmental quarterback that you can see starting games and being your long-term starter. And that's Davis Mills at Stanford, uh, who is, and he's an interesting discussion as a prospect because he's got two big things working against him. He's got 11 career starts, which is obviously not ideal, especially for a quarterback. And then uh, a left knee that has been an issue for him over over time. Uh, heard it in high school. Uh, he's had multiple issues with it. And so this comes down to a medical uh, decision. If my doctors, if they've my trainers, they've looked at the knee. If they give me two thumbs up and say, you know, there shouldn't be any long-term effects. Uh, now, could he re-hurt it again? Sure. But there's nothing that says that, you know, is this is going to be something that's going to bother him long-term. If the doctors give me two thumbs up in that regard – I would have no problem drafting uh, Davis Mills on day two. Uh, he, he's he's that good of a of, of a quarterback prospect. Uh, again, you just wish there was more of a sample size. Um, but you know he's a big, athletic, loose type of player. He's six four, two hundred twenty pounds. Uh, you know, not a dynamic athlete, but a a smooth athlete. He's very loose with how he moves, uh, both in the pocket and outside the pocket. Um, I think he might actually be the best middle of the field thrower in this class. <laughs> I really like his ability to work the middle of the field. Uh, it's really, really impressive stuff. Uh, I like the way he can scan the field. Uh, he's got a very clean release. Uh, there, there's some things that we can nitpick with him. But again, he's the one guy from this class that I think could be a long-term starter. Just comes down to, can he stay healthy? And you know, how much more development does he need having only 11 starts under his belt? This is a four- and five-star recruit uh, coming out of Georgia. Uh, you know, Barely played his first two years. Uh, as a sophomore, he came in. Basically, he's the guy that took KJ Costello's job, made him transfer to Mississippi State. And then this past year with COVID, uh, he actually missed one game because of a false test. And then he started the other five games. And, you know, just watch the UCLA game. Uh, that, I think, put everything on display, what he can do, both the good and the bad, and why it's easy to be encouraged by what he could be at the next level. Mm, really interesting stuff. And we've talked about Davis Mills a little bit on this show, but we've talked about him maybe maybe a little bit less. I know Kellen Mond is kind of a name that everybody's been caught up in at times. We'll talk about him in a second. Kyle Trask is a Gators guy. So obviously so yeah. people in this area are like, oh, what about Kyle Trask? I think a lot of Bucks fans actually have kind of ruled out Trask. We'll talk about him again in a second too. But sticking with Mills just for a second, you mentioned his ability to read middle of the field and do things like that. There is the tricky aspect of this evaluation right now for Bucks fans. If you are thinking about quarterback in this upcoming draft, you are thinking about Bruce Arians type quarterbacks, like who he's traditionally coached over the years. But there's a caveat that Bruce Arians very well could not be the head coach by the time said quarterback would play. I mean, he may retire with Brady in a couple of years. I mean, that that seems almost likely, I would say, in a couple of years anyway. And so when you're Jason Light and you're thinking about the quarterback position, and to me, this is a reason not to draft one at all, but since we're entertaining the idea, it adds a tricky aspect to it because you're not even sure what coach you're going to have to go to, to pair with, what offense you're going to have necessarily to pair with a quarterback. And so you almost would have to go off Light's preferences at the position and his preferences in an offense as well and be a little forward thinking in that if you did it at this point at that point having said that is there a system or a style of play or offense that you see davis mill skill set working best in in the nfl well i think what the great thing about watching stanford quarterbacks is they do a little bit of everything you know he's a lot a lot of under center stuff 
you know, they've introduced a lot more of, uh, you know, shotgun and spread and, you know, but, you know, obviously they still operate uh, a lot under center. And so I, we've seen them do a little bit of everything. I, you know, I think, you know, the play action game, he'd be very good. Uh, but I, I think you make a great point uh, with when you talk about uh, Bruce Arians and, you know, cause I, I hear a lot about, okay, Carolina eight, you know, who would be great with Joe Brady and, this, and it's I, I don't think you should, you can't draft a quarterback based off how he's going to be with Joe Brady because Joe Brady's probably not there next year. <laughs> That's you right. Know? So you you can't look at it like that. Uh, and I, you make a great point with Bruce Arians. I mean, it's the long term. If that's what you're if you're drafting a quarterback with the objective of him being your long term uh, starter uh, in a couple of years, then yeah, I, I think that makes sense. So you know, I, I think that Mills gives you a little bit of flexibility because there's not one specific. Uh, you know, uh, scheme that he has to be in. Uh, like I said, he's got a little bit of mobility to him. He's not a mm-hmm. dynamic athlete, but he can move. Uh, very, very smooth player. I, I think you know a lot of you know, a lot of boots, a lot of play action, things like that. I think that's where he kind of operates mm-hmm. best. But keep under center shotgun. He, he could do either of those things, and I think that Stanford offense really allowed to to, to show the the wide range of things he can do. Yeah, yeah, plenty of plenty of bro- both in, in the Bucks offense with the under center and the shotgun. Not as much with the boot action, hopefully more with the play action. We'll see if that trend continues this season. They're moving in the right direction at the end of last year. That's interesting stuff about Davis Mills. We'll definitely have our eye on him and maybe even do a, a separate show on Mills and some of his stuff. Bucks fans, if you're listening, I know uh, some of you are reacting pretty strongly to what Dane's saying and getting pretty excited. But with, like you said, it's tricky to figure out exactly what type of quarterback you want right now Good to know that he has some diversity scheme-wise. Let's talk about Kyle Trask because he's the Gators guy, and there's some people in the chat I know, big Florida fans, and they watched him light it up. Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, they love what he brought to the table. But at the end of the day, I go back to what Bruce Arians is talking about when he says, if we're going to draft a quarterback, we might draft a quarterback, he said, but it has to be somebody with upside. That's literally the word he used, I think, twice. And when I hear that, I just don't think about Kyle Trask. I don't know. Do you do you agree or disagree with me? When I hear the word upside at the quarterback position, I never I would never picture Kyle Trask. No, I 100% agree. I, I see a carbon copy of Mason Rudolph, and that's not meant. That's a, that, I guess it's both a positive and a negative. Uh, <laughs> you know, a, a guy that can come in and maybe win you a game as a fill-in starter if you need to, but mostly he's going to be a backup. And you know, he's there's just a lot to like about Kyle Trask. He's he was such a great fit with uh, with with Mullen because and he just he understands where to go. He's a very cerebral player. He understands where to go with the football. Uh, you know, there are not many times where he looked shell shocked and you know just panicked and didn't know what to do. Um, he had a lot of talent around him, just like Mac Jones uh, throwing the you know Tony and Pitts and uh, you know those Grimes and the and the uh, weapons that they had for the Gators. But, you know, there's a, a lot to like about his uh, his ability to push the ball down the field. Uh, small windows don't intimidate him. Uh, you know, he's a, a really confident thrower. Uh, timing, trajectory, that those are staples of his tape. Uh, doesn't have the biggest arm. Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing I worry about with him is just the heavy feet. You know, he's a guy that he's got some functional mobility to work the pocket. But if you're if you're going to move him off his spot, that's where he will start to really struggle. Uh, doesn't have that uh, you know the quick feet to you know to quickly reset and to get on time back on time. So I see a Mason Rudolph player, which is fine. You know, that's a guy that should earn an NFL paycheck the next decade. Uh, you know, mostly as a backup. But I yeah, I don't I don't think any teams can be drafting Trask with the long term plan of him being your starter. 
That's actually a really good comparison for Trask. I hadn't thought of that, which is silly because I'm obviously a Steelers person. I probably should have thought of that, but that is now that you say that, I really I see a lot of that in his game for sure. That ball is not going to come flying out of his hand, but he still throws with pretty good touch down the field, and you could see him doing some things. But again, in today's NFL, you have to be able to create. You have to be able to, to do things when things aren't perfect around you, and that's where I think – we even saw that in the bowl game, right? Like we, the, 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 when the environment around him crumbled, right. he crumbled with it, I think. And so that, that's a good point about Kyle Trask. You're as doubted as anybody, Dane. There's a lot of people that still think Kyle Trask is going to one of the teams at the back end of the first round on a scale of one to 10. How shocked would you be if Kyle Trask was a first round draft pick? 10 being oh, the most shocked. Yeah. Uh, 11. I mean, I, that would be <laughs> shocking. Uh, Cause again, I don't, I just don't think an NFL team is going to be drafting Trask with the idea of him being the long-term starter. Um, yeah. I just, I, I would be surprised. I think there's, there is a much, much better chance that he goes third round than first round. I, even yeah. fourth round, I would say. So uh, that, I, that would certainly be a surprise. Right. And then Dane's not just saying his opinion. Dane does have a fourth round grade on him. That's about where I'm at with yeah. Cal Trask as well. Um, so to, to bear that in mind, but that's also like what's out there. You know, I know a lot of people still think he's going to end up. So I see people say let the Saints take him at the end of the first round. I don't think the Saints are going to go there. We'll see. They've done some surprising things at quarterback, but I don't know if they'll go to Cal Trask at that point in time. Kellen Mond fascinates me. I have never been able to completely quit him. I also have not been like in full allegiance with Kellen Mond. Like he, I am not like Kellen Mond draft him. He's going to be a day three quarterback in a lot of ways. Kellen Mond has some of the things that I would – bank on kind of at the position that I would like at the position in that range of the draft. You're going to take somebody outside of the first couple rounds of the draft. What do you see in Kellen Mond when you watch him? Am I crazy for thinking that there's some things there that are interesting? Oh, not at all. Yeah. I, I think the way you set it up is, is perfect because he is a hard guy to quit. Um, you know, there's, there's, he, he brings you back every time you want to quit him. Uh, there, he does something that makes you think, okay, you know, just maybe uh, my biggest problem with him was, I just I see a lot of the same mistakes that he, that he was making as an underclassman. Um, you know, like this year was a good example. Uh, you know, you watch the Florida game, uh, you watch that tape, and you're like, you're getting excited. You know, it's mm-hmm. all four quarters. He looked he looked great. Then you watch the LSU tape, and you're like, oh, same old Kellen Mond. You know, it's just that, that's who you're getting, and it's it's really tough to know which Kellen Mond that you're going to get on a week to week week basis. I gave him a fourth round grade. He's going to go a lot higher. I, I think he's probably going to go I, maybe in the second round. I think that's possible uh, just because he has a lot of the tools that you want. You know, good size kid, 6'3", 200, close to 215 pounds, a really good athlete. Uh, he can move. You know, there's a lot of Colin Kaepernick uh, to his mm-hmm. game, just that style. Uh, and so I can understand why a team's going to buy on Kellen Mond and say, well, once we get him into our room, our quarterback room, and we can develop him and really – you know, get all the all the strengths that he has as a quarterback, we can amplify that. And I, I understand that. So me personally, I wouldn't draft him to the fourth. He's gonna go much higher than where mm-hmm. I have him. And he might make me look uh make me look wrong if he goes to the right situation and they're able to really develop uh what he can do well. Cause he's he's got a big arm. Uh some of the the strikes that he has on film are, are just beautiful. Um so I you know I, you can put together a highlight package that will absolutely make you buy in. Uh, but if you watch that low light package, that's yeah. when you start to you know worry about okay, which quarterback am I getting? I mean, you saw that even at the Senior Bowl, in my opinion. I'm watching the first yeah. couple of days of practice, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. First two <laughs> days of practice, there, I was like, I'm done with Kellen Mond. Then the right. third day of practice, he's out here on the move, throwing strikes, like ripping passes the guys in tight windows in the middle of the field. I'm like, 
I'm back in, man. Like, and then he did some good things in the game too. He's uh, he's a fascinating prospect. Again, I'll say this all the time. I think that the quarterback position, there's so we can talk about traits all day. At the end of the day, consistency is the what sets apart everybody. I mean, it sets everybody apart. Kellen Mond can get into a game in the NFL, play awesome for a game. You know, Nick Foles can go on his run and win a Super Bowl. At the end of the day, Nick Foles is Nick Foles as a prospect. He he caught fire and give him credit. Played great in a stretch, but that's. That's what it, to me is good. I think Kellen Mond will, will have a career full of pulling people in for a few games and then ultimately probably leaving you disappointed. <laughs> and so, you know, take a guy like that at your own peril a little bit. All right. So we're through the first eight guys on your board. For those of you who didn't tune in and you check out the draft guide again at the athletic, Dane's got so much good stuff out there on these guys. But Trevor Lawrence is one, Zach Wilson is two, Trey Lance is three, Fields, Mac Jones, Mills, Trask, Mond. Then you've got Ian Book, some of these other guys lower down the board. I'm not going to go through all these guys. You're into the fifth, sixth, seventh round grades here, the priority free agents. Let's just envision Bruce Arians in two years. He wants to keep coaching. He loves it. They've won two more Super Bowls, and he can't quit. Three three years in a row, the Bucs have won the Super Bowl. And now he's thinking about who's the next guy. And one of these guys is the next guy, let's say. Is there a player that you think out of these quarterbacks that are later down the board in this draft that you see toolsy, pocket passer, aggressive down the field, tough under pressure? Anybody have any traits like that, even if it's just one or two of them? Anybody jump off the board? You saying this sleeper, this priority free agent or seventh round guy is pretty intriguing as a quarterback prospect. You know, there's really not much. I, I really don't like this quarterback group. I mean, you know, like a guy like Sam Ellinger, he's like, you know, he's like Jalen Hurts. I don't think that really fits. Uh, you know, Ian Book, I, I think he's going to be a backup in the league for for a while, but I don't know that that necessarily fits what, uh, you know, the Bruce Arian scheme. I mean, you could look at a Jamie Newman, uh, Georgia slash Wake Forest. You know, he was did so much good stuff uh, on his 2019 film that got you intrigued and okay, he's transferring to Georgia for a senior year. Okay. Let's see what happens. Then he opts out. And so there's just a lot of unknowns with Jamie Newman that could potentially make sense. Uh, Felipe Franks, uh, which I'm sure your Florida, uh, you know, followers are, are, are loving that uh, Felipe Franks. He there's, there's something to like there. I mean, he is a big, a six, six and a half, almost 240 pounds, got a rocket for an arm. He, he made some necessary improvements uh, this past season at, at Arkansas where you start to, okay, he, there might be something here. He's one of the better deep throwers uh, in this draft. So I, there's something with Felipe Franks that if you're going to, if you're going to take a swing on a, a quarterback that would may, potentially fit Bruce Arian's scheme uh, in this draft, Franks might be, you know, the best fit. It, talking, you know, late rounds that, that might actually fit. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I was he was the only guys I looked across, and I've know most of these guys that you have. I've seen at least a little bit of some of these guys that you've ranked lower, and I was like, man, he's gonna say Felipe Franks, isn't he? And I'm just gonna be like, don't do it, don't do it, Jason. Like, but no, I I think you're right on paper. Like again, size, the arm strength, things like that. Even though I don't think he was necessarily good at the Senior Bowl, we still saw some strikes down the field that was like, okay, yep, I could see. A team saying, you know, this range of the draft again. Um, this yeah, range if you're talking late rounds, yeah, right. it's, it, they're dart throws at that point. I'm, I'm a believer in you should always draft a quarterback. Just mm-hmm. it's a lottery ticket. You don't never know what you're going to get. So if, if there's a player in the sixth, seventh round that I think, okay, there's something here. Maybe we can get something out of them. Right. I, I, you can't rule it out. It, it makes some sense. Right. Absolutely. We've already kept you super long, Dan. I want to throw one more thing at you before we leave. Bucks at 32. You've done a couple mocks at this point. 
you know kind of what your thought process is for the Bucs at this point in the draft. Are there a couple players that you could see, not even necessarily saying giving you like one that are making you pick one player and saying the Bucs will take this player, you know, but are there a couple players at any positions that you see that you think from what you've heard or what you've known or your evaluations or watching the Bucs or seeing fits that you think, okay, at 32, I could see these couple guys being like top options for the Bucs at that range of the draft. I'd love that Najee Harris fit until uh, they re-signed Fournette. I thought that was such a, a great landing spot for him. Now, you know, I'm kind of looking towards uh, pass rushers uh, mm-hmm. and some of these guys. You know, it's, it's always great to bring in more pass rushers, guys that could be nickel rushers and then, you know, eventually become starters. I think that's – you look at the pass rushers that are going to be available in the late first round. Uh, you know, if a Jalen Phillips from Miami who might slide a little bit because of the injury questions and things like that, if you could add him to that rotation – uh, I mean, that's that's something offenses are not going to want to see uh, consistently. So I think that would make some sense. Um, you know, I don't – you could always go offensive line, get stronger uh, yep. up there. You can never have too many offensive linemen. So could there be an offensive lineman there that would make sense for them? That That's possible depending on, uh, you know, who's available. So I, 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 w- I want to see them go in the trenches. I think that makes some sense. Pass rusher, offensive line, especially with how the draft is – how we think it's going to play out. Pass rushers that could be there at 32. Some of those offensive linemen that could fall there. Uh, I think that makes some sense. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. If you don't know, ladies and gentlemen, at DP Brugler, B-R-U-G-L-E-R on Twitter. I'm sure you already know, but follow him. Check out his draft work over at The Athletic. You can subscribe for like a dollar, I think, right now and get access to Dane's draft guide. It is a ridiculous steal. Uh, you have to do it. Uh, go over to The Athletic, check it out, download his draft guide. You're going to have pages and pages of content. You're going to be reading for forever. You're going to be briefing through that thing all throughout the draft, and it's going to be well, well worth it. So make sure you go there, do that and support uh, Dane's awesome work. Dane, thank you so much for taking the time. And on a today of all days, too, when your draft guide comes out, I just really appreciate you agreeing to do this and taking the time to fill us in a little bit about this quarterback class. Yeah, man. No, anytime. I, I appreciate it, John. I've always been a fan of your work. So, you know, I, it, I'm glad I could uh, come on and talk a little bit of uh, draft and buck. So thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that. Dane Burgler, ladies and gentlemen, we greatly appreciate him. We appreciate him coming on the show. Was terrific, terrific stuff from him. Um, and he, he, I'm telling you, he just, he gets it uh, from an evaluation standpoint, and nobody does the homework like he does. That's what's so impressive to me when you look at his draft guide. It is not just player evaluation and player valuation in terms of grades. It is injuries. It is talking to scouts and people around the league. It is tireless work year-round to create this thing and to do this thing and to get the kind of information he gets as consistently as he gets it and as right as he consistently is. It's really impressive stuff. So I appreciate him taking time coming on the show with us. He is the best of the best out there. And when he speaks, man, we all should definitely listen about this stuff. So intriguing stuff about the quarterbacks, Davis Mills, huh? Hmm. We're going to have to continue to have conversations about Davis Mills. I did watch my first couple Davis Mills. I'm going to save my thoughts, though, for a later show because I'm going to wrap this one up with y'all. But appreciate y'all jumping in here tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern. Scott and I will be back. Scott and I are back on the podcast my defensive tackle rankings, my interior defensive line rankings drop tomorrow at pewterreport.com. You're going to be able to check out those rankings, just like my edge defender rankings, scouting evaluations, grades, all of that. You're going to be able to check all that out, um, and you're going to be able to, to react to it and then come on the show. You can ask me questions, comments, criticisms, all those things. 
Scott and I are going to disagree with some of it uh, based on our conversations already. So my rankings are going to be up. My grades will be up. My evaluations, my year one, year three projections for all these guys will be up. And you'll be able to see anybody that you like for the box. We're going to continue the conversation as well tomorrow into the locker room sessions in the evening. If you don't know, locker room is changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download in the Apple App Store and join the conversation with Locker Room. Get the Locker Room app, download it, and follow Pewter Report on there. We're going to have live shows. We've been having live shows. We're going to have live shows going on this week. Tomorrow at 5, there's going to be one. It's going to be Taylor and Matt are going to be on there talking about a little bit about the draft, a little bucks with you guys on Locker Room. And then I'll have, I'll jump on there at some point on Friday and do another one with you guys, maybe do some draft Q&A, things like that. Maybe get Charlie Abraham's all grumpy Charlie. He doesn't want the Bucks to take a quarterback at all. Neither do I, Charlie, but a lot of people do, and it's an option that's on the board, so we got to talk about it. But Charlie's going to be able to ask questions about the things he wants to talk about on Locker Room, so make sure that you – have downloaded the Locker Room app and followed Peter Report because it's really good stuff. Scott and I have might have a new player to top our board for the Bucks at number 32. A new player. We're going to talk about that in the upcoming shows at Peter Report. I appreciate you all tuning in and listening to tonight's podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out! <laughs>